If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. Coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the award-winning Parareality Radio. I'm Sandman, and I'm your host for the next two hours in this expanded edition of Parareality Radio. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for tuning in tonight. Well, it's Monday, January the 6th, 2014, and of course that means it's time, first Monday of the month, as always, time for another episode of Parareality Radio. Radio. Man, it is a chilly nine degrees outside in Nashville this evening as I broadcast this, as I record this show. Man, haven't seen weather like this in a long time. It's pretty freaking cold. I was just out in it not too long ago. Hey, tonight's the first show for season eight of Pair Reality Radio. Man, I can't believe that I've been doing this show for eight years. Now, I know I took a couple of years off in between seasons five and six, but it still doesn't really seem like this should be season eight. I know there's been some changes since my return as far as the format of the show goes. First of all, I'm using Spreaker to host my show instead of Live 365. And second, the show's only um, uh, once a month instead of twice a month, and it's up until now, anyway, it's only been basically a one-hour show, and uh, really very few shows have I been doing live. Most of the 95%, probably better than that, have been recorded. And by the way, uh, right at the top of the show, you heard the entire theme song for Parareality. For those of you who are new listeners and have only uh, maybe just started listening to me the past couple of years since I've been here on Spreaker, you haven't heard the whole entire theme song for the show. Um, I used to play it in its entirety every episode before I uh, came on the air back during my Live 365 and my WRFN days and everything. Um, I decided it, it would be better to just do a uh, shorter version of it since I have um, been doing just a one-hour-long show in order to squeeze more uh, time in there. And I, I don't know. I, mean, I I probably won't go back to playing the whole entire theme song um, because it kind of gets old, I guess, after a while hearing the same old thing over and over and over again for such a long period of time because it's like a five-and-a-half-minute long song. Um so I'll probably just keep the very, very abbreviated version of it. So uh, anyway, I just just for nostalgia's sake, I just wanted to play that because this is hell. This is a season opener. This is my show. I get to do what I want to do. And speaking of doing things that I want to do, I'm changing things up again here on the season eight debut of Para Reality Radio. I'm expanding. <clears throat> that sounded bad. I'm expanding each episode back to two hours, but still maintaining the once-a-month show schedule. And I'm adding a new segment onto the end of 
every episode uh, something that I, I like to call the paranormal review. This is where I'm going to take one paranormal-themed TV show, uh, reality show, should I say, and dissect it, review it, and give it a rating from 0 to 5, with, of course, 5 being the best. Uh, back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I'm referring to my Live 365 days, um, I used to end every show with... Um, News of the Strange, where I would take some paranormal news stories mixed in with some like really, really weird uh, stories that had nothing to do with the paranormal that were just like really weird, like, you know, man rapes dog and stuff like that or whatever. That's just coming off the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> of course, I haven't been doing that since I have come back on the air from my uh, little hiatus. However, I, I wanted to to do something and I didn't want everything just to be the same old, same old. I mean, I know before I had a format for the show, it worked really well. It was very popular. People liked it. But when I came back, I didn't want to do the same old thing over and over and over again. Although the format worked and it worked very well. However, I just wanted to, to change it up just a little bit. So I totally decided not to do the news as well as, you know, not really doing the show live anymore, and of course, cutting back from twice a month to once a month and only doing a one-hour long show. But however, as things have kind of progressed, I've wanted to expand a little bit. Doing a one-hour show once a month, I, I just really I felt like I could do more. And I had a choice that I gave myself that I felt like I could do two one-hour shows a month or just do one show a month, one episode a month, and expand it to two hours. So thinking about it, it, it's hard enough for me to be able to get the time that I need to do the show once a month because of all my other obligations that I've got going on. So doing it twice a month, even though it's just an hour, I felt like was going to be a little bit more than I could fit in at this stage of my life and who knows maybe next season you know I'll cut it back to one hour a month or one hour episodes and do two shows a month I don't I don't know but you know that's that's the beauty of uh, being your own boss you can do whatever the hell it is that you please so you know the show has is always been one of these kind of ever-evolving type things and and I think it'll continue to be that into season eight and beyond so anyway <clears throat> i'd like to thank all of the fans out there uh, so affectionately some somebody uh, once coined them sand fans so uh, that that's kind of stuck so i'd like to thank all the sand fans out there for sticking with me through all of the changes all the years through the couple of years that i went away and took took a little bit of a break um, if you've been listening to the show back since the live 365 days, um, I really appreciate it. And uh, as always, the show really wouldn't be anything without without you guys listening. Um, I'd just be talking to myself, which I guess really I am because this is a pre-recorded show. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so without further delay, let me tell you what tonight's show is going to be about. Tonight... On the season opener, 
I'm going to be taking a look back at the little over one year that has followed since the uh, December the 21st, 2012 end of the world date. So what exactly has happened since that fateful date? Well, to make one thing clear, the Maya did not state that the world would come to an end on that date. They simply said that that date marked the end of the current Bakhtun, or cycle of the Mayan long count calendar. Um, we've just, I think, the, I think uh, I'm believing, if I could be misquoting myself, I'm believing a Bakhtun is 144,000 days. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Anyway, we've just entered the 13th Bakhtun, or if you, it could be the 14th Bakhtun, depending upon how you look at it. Uh, and we're at the precipice of a new era. Now, what I mean by the, the 13th or 14th Bactoon is someone has actually said that the way that we're we're dating it is is wrong, and instead of the 13th Bactoon, like everyone says we're in, we're actually in the 14th Bactoon. So I don't think that there's going to be any uh, change-up in the way that we do the dating. So year one can actually be considered year zero in order to keep on this current cycle that we're on. But anyway, we get into a, a whole thing with dates and all that sorts of stuff that I don't really want to get into. So like I said, we're on the precipice of a new era here. This Bakhtun is supposed to mark a new way of thinking, a change in the way that we perceive our earth, those on it, and how we treat it. This is supposed to be a shift in our attitude, spirituality, and overall produce a new breed of man, one who thinks of earth and the environment first, treats his fellow man with respect, and also promotes peace. But has this actually happened? Have we really changed our attitude completely, or is this something that will take place gradually? To me, it looks like the answer is obvious. To others, it's probably a little more cloudy. No matter what your feelings are on the situation, it makes for great conversation. But before I begin, let me tell you how you may get in touch with me here on Parareality Radio because there are several different ways just in case you may want to interact with me. First of all, I do have Yahoo Messenger and you can reach me there by using my screen name, GrayDragon98. That's G R E Y. D-R-A-G-O-N with a number 98 on the end of it. No underscore, space, dash, anything like that. Just Gray Dragon 98 Now, as always, if you're not already on my contact list, please let me know that you listen to the show whenever you send me a friend request. Otherwise, I'll probably just decline your invitation. I'm on Skype as well, and you can get me there under the nickname PR Radio. You can also... Send me an email. That's sandman at parareality.com. Sandman at parareality.com. And just to repeat my Skype name, PR Radio. All one word, no hyphen spaces, underscores, anything like that. PR Radio there on Skype. You can also visit my website, which is, of course, www.parareality.com. I'm also available on Facebook. Just look for Sandman 
www.parareality if you're on Facebook. And finally, as if all of those ways weren't enough, finally, you can still call the studio line because I do still have it up and running. The number to call is area code 615, then dial 692 1170. That number to call once again is 615 692 1170. Just call that number and leave a message. Just be aware that I may play your comment back on the on the air. I may also answer the phone as well because I'm always here in the studio working on something for the show, it seems like. So you just may catch me here in the studio. And that's why I give you all these different ways, all these messenger services, GreyDragon98 on Yahoo, PR Radio on Skype, because you never know when I'm going to be actually online. So it, I, I think it's part of the, the fun of listening to the show is if you, you want to interact with me, see if you can catch me. Uh, I don't know what time zone you're in. It doesn't matter. Um Hell, you could be halfway across the world for all I care. You never know when I'm going to be in the studio. It could be, you know, noon on a Tuesday or it may be, you know, one o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday. You never know. Um, I, I, I'm just here when I'm here. Uh, but when I am here, I do have the computer on and do have everything up and running so people can get in touch with me all those different ways. And, and of course, there's always email, sandman at parareality.com. And, of course, Facebook, once again, it's Sandman.Parareality there on Facebook. So those are all the different ways that you can get in touch with me, Sandman, here on Parareality Radio. All right, I'm going to take a quick 30-second break or so, and then I'm going to come back, and we will start talking about the year after the end of the world. This is Parareality Radio. Your information source for all things paranormal. Join your host Sandman and his roster of special guests, experts, and experiencers as they explore the realms of the known and the unknown. New shows broadcast the first Monday of every month at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Listen online at parareality.com. Turn on, tune in, and find out. Okay, I am back, and I am ready to start talking about the year after the end of the world. You know, if you're listening to this radio broadcast, it means that the world didn't end on December 21st, 2012. Despite reports of an ancient Maya prophecy, a mysterious planet on collision course with Earth, or a reverse in Earth's rotation, we're still here. The Mayan connection was actually a misconception from the very beginning. The Maya calendar did not end on December 21st, 2012, and there were no Maya prophecies foretelling the end of the world on that particular date. No, really, for every day that passes, we're one day closer to our death. Anyway, now, there have been many predictions concerning the date of the apocalypse, and all of them so far have been proven by time to be incorrect. In history, there's a big list of false prophets, religious extremists, and phony scientists who predicted the end of the world, who today are seen as little more than 
well, con men. For years leading up to the supposed apocalypse, there were all kinds of myths and doomsday scenarios about December the 21st, 2012. And here are just a few of the many of them. Of course, we have the aforementioned Mayan calendar, the end of the the current era, the Bakhtun. There was something about a total blackout. Um, There's supposed to be some weird planetary alignment where all the planets were lined up straight in a row from here to the sun. Um, there was the return of Nibiru, or planet X, as it is also known. Uh, there's a supposedly supposed to have been a polar shift where the north and south poles flip-flopped. Uh, meteor strike, huge asteroid coming and taking us out, a la... Uh, Armageddon, that movie with Bruce, Bruce Willis, or uh, Deep Impact with Taya Leone. Um, and finally, of course, there was uh, solar storms. We, we were supposed to have huge solar storms. The sun was gearing up for this massive coronal ejection, and this big solar storm was going to come and you know devastate the Earth, kind of like uh, Nick Cage in Knowing, although I don't think that a, a solar storm would fry everything on the planet you know, literally, like, burn us all up, but anything's possible, I guess. In the late 1990s, there was a concern that there would be uh, widespread computer glitches that would cause blackouts and computer failures that were caused by the two-digit dates on the computers changing from 99 to 00. There's one theory that claimed that these computer glitches would trigger the launch of a nuclear missile and ending most life on Earth because it would ignite a global-wide nuclear war. So in response to that, many people got prepared for Y2K, as it was known, the year 2000, by buying, you know, preserved food. People started, you know, prepping. They started getting water generators and other things for coping with blackouts. And, of course, the mass blackouts and nuclear holocaust never came when the year 2000 rolled around. The computers handled it just fine. And all of that was for nothing. Computer glitch blackouts were minimal, and they got fixed relatively quickly. And after New Year's Eve, computers with the two-digit dates read January 1st, 1900. So it didn't really um, affect like people thought it was going to. And when there's an apocalyptic prediction that's widely talked about, people get really worried. And many spend money on prepping for these things, these supposed disasters, or they just miserably wait for the world to end. In the end, these people make themselves look like idiots and make themselves fear the world around them even more. But the lessons about Y2K didn't matter to people who believed in the 2012 apocalypse. To the people who followed the philosophy of ignoring the patterns of the past and fearing the future, these things were irrelevant. December the 21st, 2013, was the one-year anniversary of the Mayan apocalypse. 122112, that was the day that society would collapse, civilization would implode, and everyone would die. So where did this theory come from? Well, according to popular belief, the theory came from the ancient Mayans 
twelve twenty one twelve being the last day on the Mayan calendar, and therefore the Mayan's prediction of the end of days. In reality, this just wasn't the case. December the twenty first, twenty twelve, was the end of their five thousand one hundred twenty five point three six year long cycle, symbolizing a fresh start for the Mayan civilization and its people. The apocalypse theory came from modern end-of-the-world theorists who interpreted this date as a prediction of the apocalypse. Well, obviously nothing out of the ordinary happened on the predicted date of the end of the world. The earth kept spinning, the plants kept growing, and the internet continued to work, and people carried on about their daily lives as usual. Out of the ordinary events... I mean, you can't say that it was any different day. It was just business as usual. The out of the ordinary events, however, took place in the months and the days, the weeks before December 21st, 2012. Doomsday preppers or apocalypse preppers or survivalist preppers, whatever you want to call them, bought more survival gear than usual, and mainstream media sources talked about 2012 on the reg. And on that fateful day, December 21st, 2012, like I said, it passed by just like another day. I watched the movie 2012 on that date, and at the end, I walked outside and I laughed at the idea that this awful cinematic work of fiction could get people seriously hyped up about the end of the world. I mean, if there's a, a reasonable reason to prepare for a natural disaster, like earthquakes, uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, we need community organization and government organization to prevent natural disasters from ruining the infrastructures instead of individuals prepping for the failure of these systems. The shows like Doomsday Preppers on, what is it, Discovery Channel, I think is what it is. I like to watch that show sometimes. Um, actually, for the first two seasons, I was kind of addicted to it, uh, to be honest with you. I, I I like to watch the show. The, 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 the ingenuity of people never ceases to amaze me, and the tons of money that they pump into this hobby, you know... It, a lot of people think, oh, these people would just be so happy if the world came to an end. I don't really think so. I don't think that, that they would be happy if the world came to an end. I don't think that that's the key to their happiness. What they want is to be prepared should disaster strike. And really, the things that they're prepping for, most preppers, let me start by saying this. Most preppers aren't prepping just for one particular thing. They're not prepping for, oh, they're, you know, an EMF disaster. Um, you know, solar, solar storms are going to, you know, cause uh, an EMF uh, field to wipe out all the electronics on Earth or, you know, uh, nuclear strikes or stuff like that. They're, they're not really prepping for one particular thing. They're just prepping for whatever's going to cause this disaster. It's the Doomsday Prepper show that makes them declare 
this is the one, the, the main thing that I'm prepping for. Um, and the reason I know that is because I've, I've looked at some behind the scenes stuff on how that show is produced. And of course it's a television show and they want to keep, you know, ratings up and they want to make good television. So they kind of make these guys do their, uh, their declaration of this is why I'm prepping, you know, um, one thing that they've stopped doing on that show is to uh, give the rating system and say how how much uh, survival time they had initially. I really liked that part, but uh, the last couple of, that I've seen, they haven't done that. They've they've changed it up and, and quit for whatever reason. I don't I don't know. But anyway, I I kind of digress on the, the point that I was saying is that people are prepping for any type of disaster. That's one of the good things that comes out of prepping. People think, oh, it's just for the end of the world, and that may be the reason why they're prepping for for Armageddon. But really, it comes in handy for any type of natural disaster or man-made disaster that may occur. So it's it's really a twofold process. You know, uh, one, you can't really have one without the other, and they're very prepared in case something bad happens. So I really, you know... I, I enjoy watching the show to so I can see the ingenuity of people and how they are preparing themselves for whatever disaster may come down the road. And I'm also, as I said, just fascinated by the tons of money they spend and they invest in this. And of course, you know, prepping is a hobby. It's like anything else. And you can't have a hobby that is totally 100% free. Take me, for example. This radio program that I do is a hobby, and I enjoy doing it very much. Would I like to make money off of it? Well, hell yes, of course. That's everyone's dream is to make money off of doing something that they love, and I love doing this show. Um, It's a lot of work, but it costs me money. I don't put this thing on for free. I wish I could. There are a lot of people out there who try, and you can tell that... The production value and what they're they're putting out, the quality, just isn't there because they try to do it for as cheap, i.e. free, as they possibly can. And it's almost a physical impossibility to have a cheap and or free show and a quality show. I know because I tried it myself when I first started in broadcasting, and it was horrible. And it, it wasn't free. But I did it on the cheap, on the very, very cheap, and it was horrible. Show quality was just, oh, God, it was terrible. And I think you can tell that I have good production quality now because I'm sinking more money into it. It shows in the quality. The production quality is better. And, hell, I just won an award last year, I think, because of that. Um well, partly because of that, not entirely because of that, but uh, you know, hopefully I'll win some more awards. Who knows? You never know. So anyway, I kind of digress there, um, as I am prone to do. Uh, so getting back to the year that has gone on since December the twenty first, twenty twelve. First of all, I want to go back to the original date December 21st 2012 
Can anyone remember what you were doing on that day? Did you do something special? Are you a prepper? Did you go down into your bunker at midnight or the night before? And did you spend all day down in there with your family and your MREs and you know weapons ready? You know what did what did you do? Do you remember? Or were you one of the millions of people who carried on your life as normal? Got up, ate breakfast, drank a cup of coffee, and took your ass to work. You know and just had a normal routine day. Well, luckily for me, I was off of work that day. I did a I did a special on December the twentieth, uh, end of the world special. Um, and the idea was to carry that special over into the new the next day, and I had this whole thing planned. Where I was going to go get in the car and I was going to drive somewhere where there was a heavy conglomeration of people like uh, the mall or something like that. And I was going to do a, a remote broadcast. And I had this, Spreaker has this app that you can download on your phone where you can do 30 minute live broadcast. And I thought, man, this would be great. I'll do, you know, two or three 30-minute live broadcast sessions from different spots, and I'll pick some random person off of the sidewalk or the street, you know, and say, hey, what do you think about the end of the world? You know, what are you what are you doing today? Have you done anything different? Whatever. And just kind of do, you know, on-the-street type reporting. Well, that quickly went to shit because I couldn't get the app on Spreaker to work on my piece of junk phone that I had at the time. But what I did do was stick with the most of the plan. Since I couldn't actually do the live broadcast, I still got out and I drove around and I took a look. I was really observant to see what was going on. And as most of you know, I am a sky watcher. I want not for UFOs. I watch the skies for chemtrails. And I had noticed that at the end, uh, like the last quarter of the year of 2012, there seemed to be an increase in chemtrail activity. Now, where I live, which is just outside of Nashville, a suburb of Nashville, just happens to be on one of the... Uh, flight plans for approach and takeoff for the Nashville International Airport. So I get a lot of traffic in the skies above my neighborhood. And I noticed that there was a lot of chemtrail activity in the months coming up to that particular date. And I wondered if the government or whoever is doing this chemtrail spraying, I wonder if they were preparing for something. You know, were they trying to inoculate us for something or, or, or whatever? I don't know. But I just noticed there was a uh, increase in activity. However, on December 21st, 2012, the skies were clear. It was a crisp, cool, cold morning, day, actually. And there was not a cloud in the sky. The skies were blue. Didn't see any chemtrail activity. Hardly none. And as a matter of fact, 
as I continued to watch the skies over the course of this following year, really, in my opinion, 2013 was really a very slow year for chemtrails. It's almost like they um, just kind of uh, tapered off. And it's only been within the last, I would say, month or so that I've noticed that it seems to be picking up again. So is it cyclical? Is it seasonal? Why does it seem like the chemtrail spraying subsided in the year since December 21st, 2012? Well, I don't have an answer to that. I can have theories. Uh, probably most of my theories would sound like I was a big idiot. Um, you know, but I don't have anything concrete. I don't have any proof or anything of that nature. I just have speculation. And one of my speculations is, I'm, you know, some sort of inoculation for something. I, I don't know. You know, chemtrail conspiracy theorists abound. We're out there all over the place. And a lot of us have crazy, crazy ideas. I don't consider myself to be... Um, out there as far as what I think. I kind of I'm on the more logical fringe of the chemtrail conspiracy theory. In other words, I think there's something going on, but I really don't have that much of an opinion as to what it is because most of what people are saying that most of the most of us sky watchers are what what they think is going on just sounds utterly preposterous to me. But however, I know something's going on, and I, I think it probably has to do with you know mass inoculations or 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 something. Because people are saying, oh, they're spreading HIV and AIDS through that. Uh, it's uh, population control. It's mind control. It's you know alien part of the government's um, conspiracy with aliens to do some experimentation. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there about that. But regardless of what your feelings are on that, I, I think that you can't, you really can't deny the fact that the, the, the chemtrails seem to really dissipate a lot since December the 21st, 2012. Coincidence? Maybe so, but did the date actually have anything at all to do with what was going on? You guys may hear a, a, a little rattling or some wind blowing or something. I always say this: mm -hmm. um, where the broadcast desk is here in the in the Periality Radio Studios is right. There's a, a vent right above the desk. There's nothing that I can do about it. So when the heat or AC cuts on, sometimes you it bleeds through into the microphone. So the heat just cut on. So you may hear some kind of weird, freaky background noise. I'm sorry about that. Once again. Nothing I can do about it. So, where was I? Let me get something to drink here from the official Parareality Radio mug. Nice and refreshing. Okay, so where was I? Well, the chemtrail activity seemed to decrease in the year since December 21st, 2012. And when I was out observing during the day, on that day... I really took time to look around and just take in everything that was that was going on. And I can't speak for the rest of the world, and I'm not going to try, but I can say in my little corner, my little nick 
of the world, my little niche of the world. It was really business as usual. Of course, you know, they had, you know, new specials and stuff like that on, and there was all kind of freaking documentaries, and people were selling books left and right about it. Uh, but on the actual day, it besides the the, the news stories and, and the incessant, you know, one-hour documentaries and, and television shows that were filtering on every freaking channel, it seemed like, it was really business as usual. I didn't see anybody that was uh, looking like they were concerned. So I thought it was very interesting to observe how people were going about their day as if it was, you know, just another date, which actually, in reality, that's all it was. It turned out to be just another day. So has anything since that day the in the the little over one year that has happened has anything changed have we seen a global shift in our consciousness well aside from the it being a slow year with the chemtrails which i'm not at this time going to get back into i may later on <clears throat> What has changed? Well, if you listen to the End of the World special, you'll know that one of the things that was supposed to happen was it was supposed to be, hopefully, a shift in our consciousness. It was a global shift in the way that we see things and the way that we treat Mother Earth and each other. And the big question that you have to ask yourself since this has happened, since since that date, is has this actually happened? Have we actually seen a global shift in our thought process? Well, I think I would have to answer that right now as no. Um, in the, the months leading up to December 21st, 2012, I think that we had already begun to see a shift in the way that we treat our planet. Uh, the green technology, the low-emission cars, the, the cars that operate as hybrids or complete battery power, uh, recycling, uh, you know, uh, park cleanup days, stuff like that. I think we'd already seen that type of a shift begin. But after December 21st, 2012, it was really supposed to hopefully rev up and we were supposed to see a big push that everyone, not everyone, but the majority of the world was supposed to have this, you know, almost overnight shift in their attitude. And I think that was unrealistic to expect something like that. However, something that is going to change us globally can't be anything other than a gradual change. Now, what I was hoping that I would see would be that at that one-year mark, you know, as, as the year progressed, we would see, you would be able to see these big changes in the attitude of the world. And we haven't seen that at all. So I think if 
this is supposed to change us like what it says it is, I think that it's going to be a very, very slow, very, very gradual change that is going to be almost imperceivable. I just don't see it being something as, oh, now everyone's changed. It's got to be, because it's unrealistic. It's not going to happen for the whole world to change their, their consciousness. You know, um, I think a global effort has begun to shift the way that we treat our planet. And I think that we will continue on this journey and we will make great advances now, can you say that that is directly, uh, can it be directly attributed to the new Bakhtun in the Mayan calendar? I don't think you can contribute that to it. I don't, uh, you know, probably just coincidence. However, who am I to say? I don't know. It, there could be something to it. But I, I think that there has been a global effort to change the way that we treat the world as a whole and we're seeing it every day and i think we're going to continue on that trend to try to heal the damage that we've done to our environment and to try to make up for it in some way <clears throat> now the real question here is can we or will we see a change in the way that we treat each other because there's a whole movement to you know the green movement to there's a whole movement to treat the earth better but yet i don't see that same type of movement to treat our fellow human being better as a matter of fact i keep seeing it every day almost just the opposite is happening. This is the sixties. They called that the me generation shit. It's got nothing on what's going on right now. This is definitely the me generation. That is what everyone is concerned about. First and foremost is me, 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 me. What am I going to get out of this? What are you going to do for me? How can I benefit from so-and-so or from you? Let me use you to better myself. Um, I think a lot of this can be attributed directly to reality television. And I know that's not a paranormal topic, but I think that, and you may be, you may have a different opinion and that's fine. But my opinion is that reality TV is contributing towards this a lot because the only thing that you see on reality television are people who are put in situations that's going to cause a lot of drama and you see these big personalities on these TV shows who are really concerned with nothing but themselves, like the real housewives. I call them the real house whores because most of them are nothing but whores, in my opinion. Uh, there's nothing real about them. The titties are fake. Their face is fake. You know, your boobies ain't that big, your eyes ain't really that color, your hair's not really that long, your face don't really look like that, and those aren't your eyelashes, you ain't really that tall, 
and that's not your real skin tone. There's you know nothing that's real about any of them, and they are so disconnected with what it's like to live in the real world that all they are concerned about are themselves. So you take you know, seven, eight, ten, twelve, however many the hell of them there are on whatever show, and you put them all in one room together, i.e. party, and of course you're going to get some drama. And that equals ratings. So that's what the kids are growing up with today. They're looking at reality TV with these dumbass personalities who are only concerned for themselves. So who's raising our kids these days? The television. So what do these kids learn? They learn, hey, I need to be thinking about what I can get out of everything for myself because mom and dad sure ain't around. Why are they not around? Because they're too busy working, trying to provide a, a, a home and a meal and heating and air conditioning and light for this kid and water so the kid can bathe. You know, But the kid ain't thinking about anything like that because the kid's a kid and they're being raised by television or it's you know, daddy ain't in the picture and mama trying to do it by herself. And most of the time, just from my experience, people aren't even, I think they're just having kids because they're not using protection. Number one. And number two, it's like, Oh, it's, it's just seems to be like the right thing to do. Everybody else is having a kid. So we need to have some kids too, but they don't really do anything to raise the kids. There's no interaction is oh, I'm going to be your friend and not your parent. And I don't know what happened to my generation, but we suck as parents as a whole. We are absolutely horrible, and it's our fault that the generation, the the two generations that are behind us, are growing up shitty. So you take the Mayan calendar and the end of this Baktun, which was supposed to signify, <clears throat> excuse me, it's supposed to signify a change in our attitude, you can see it when it comes globally. You can see it when it comes to Mother Nature and the Earth. But when you look at our individualistic attitudes towards each other, I don't see any change. And that was really what I was hoping that I would see. I was really hoping that this date would be special because it would mark a change in the way that each individual person treats everybody else. And I just don't see that. And it really pisses me off that people are like they are. I work with the public and I see it every day at how people are concerned about nothing but themselves and they don't put any effort towards raising their children and teaching them values and right from wrong and they don't give a damn about what's going on around them if they can't gain something from it. I see it every day, and it really pisses me off. And another thing that I was hoping would happen would be that we would start um, using our technology more wisely. Uh, I, I would, I really would hope that the beginning of this new era, of this new Baktun, that it would make us 
Now, I mean, we're, we're still going to depend on technology. It's part of our progression as a species. And technology is not a bad thing. What we do with the technology, however, can become a bad thing. People now are too concerned with immediately posting their feelings on Facebook or Twitter. Um, they don't want to interact with anybody except for on Facebook, Twitter, uh, text message. Nobody wants to have a face-to-face conversation. You know, even applying for a job these days, I don't even know why we have HR departments. We don't really need an HR department. We might need an HR person, but we don't need a, a department. We don't need HR specialists anymore. Why? Well, HR specialists, human resources, they used to be in charge. They were the people who filtered through the applications, set up interviews, actually interviewed the person who was applying for the job and there was this whole I mean it was it was so much more than that but that was the ground floor for getting people in right have you applied for a job lately you don't do it you don't go up to a place of business and go in and say you know with your hat in your hand and say hello sir or madam you know I am interested in applying for a job for your company, may I see an application? And they look at you like you got three fucking heads or something, or you know, flames shooting out of your ass. You know, like what are you? What a real person You're coming here to apply for a job? And it's like no, 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 go to the website. You know, they don't want to see you, talk with you, deal with you, or have any interaction with you whatsoever. They just want you to go to the website, and then you go to the website and you fill out the application, and you get. If you're lucky, you get a little standard, you know, do not reply mail to mail to you that says, oh, you know, we got your uh, we got your application. We're going to be processing. And if we're interested, we'll give you a call. Have you ever tried to follow up on an application that you submitted online? They don't want you doing that shit either because it actually requires them to talk to you on the phone. So don't don't fill out an application online and then call up two or three days later to check on the pro- the status of your application and don't call them up to find out why they've never called you back or that they've never followed up because they don't give a shit about you or anything like that. They pick and choose based upon the application that they see on their computer screen and they say, oh yeah, this looks like a good person. We'll do it. We'll 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 do this guy. We'll call this guy in for an interview. Or this lady, she sounds pretty good. We'll 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 offer her the job without really sitting down and taking time to talk to you. So that's a bad use of technology. It's really taking what we do as far as social interaction, and it's doing away with it. And we're losing our people skills. I was really hoping, and this, it, who knows, you know, you, you may see this attitude portray itself. But as I said, it's, it's going to be something when you're talking about changing everybody on the face of the planet. It's going to be a very subtle, gradual change that's probably kind of imperceptible as it goes on. Just one day it'll just be there, you know. And we're like, well, it's been like this for forever. Well, no, it hasn't. So there's really 
not a lot that I can say. There's not much more that I can talk about. You know, we've seen a shift globally in the way that we treat our planet. You know, we haven't seen that shift in the way that we treat each other, which was really one of the things that I was hoping that we would see. So were the Maya wrong when they said that the beginning of this Baktun would be a new era of consciousness? Well, I don't necessarily think so. Um, you know, these people... They weren't just dumb, uneducated Neanderthals. You know, they they knew a lot of things back then that we don't even know now. Um, you know, do I think that there was interaction with ancient aliens? Do I really believe that? Yes, I really think that there probably was. Now, if you've listened to this show any at all, you know that I'm not a big proponent of the uh, aliens are coming to visit the Earth and they're kidnapping me in the middle of my you know sleep at night and probing my anus and you know uh, impregnating me and then taking my fetus and all that. I, I I'm really not a a big believer in the whole alien abduction thing. However, I did have a guest on uh, last year. His his name was uh, Brent Oldham, and he claimed to be an alien abductee. And I've never really personally known an alien abductee until I met Brent. And I have talked with him several times. Uh, we're friends on Facebook. Um, and I, I will say that gave me a new um, understanding for what so-called alien abductees go through, it, it gave me a, it opened my eyes to a whole new. Um, I, I look at them in a different light, and and it's not bad. I, I don't want you to think it's bad, um, but I look at them in a whole new light now. And I I read his book, and uh, it was um um. trying to think of how I can describe it. It, it 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 didn't pull any punches let's just put it that way it was it was very straightforward and honest and he's a very straightforward and honest type of guy I, I have no reason to to doubt that and he honestly 100% of him believes that he is he has been abducted by aliens on a regular basis throughout his whole entire life and had experiments performed on him and who am I to say, you know, that he hasn't? I'm still not a big believer in the whole alien abduction theory, but I think that um, I now have a better appreciation for people who claim to have been abducted. And, uh, you know, maybe there's something to it. I don't know. But do I think that ancient civilizations had contact with aliens yes i do uh, I, I i think that's how they were able to gain the knowledge of astrology and astronomy that they had cuz they were able to do things and knew about things back then that there's absolutely no freaking way that they should have 
known. They shouldn't have been able to to see these things and know about these things because hell, we can't. We didn't know about it till we had these big ass multi million dollar telescopes. So there had to have been something going on there, and the whole pyramid thing. Every ancient, every high functioning ancient society in the world had some version of a pyramid and everybody had these creation stories that were very, very similar. The Hopi, uh, you know, native Americans uh, who are not really that far removed from the Mayans, Um, they had their own creation story. The Mayans had their own Egyptians had their own, you, know, you, you can just go down the list and they're, they're all, while they're all not, you know, exactly the same, they're all very similar and they all had some form of pyramids. Now the Hopi, not necessarily, but you know, what are Indians famous for living in teepees, right? What do teepees look like? If you just look at them, freaking pyramid, man, think about it, blow your mind, right? So I think that they had contact with ancient aliens, ancient astronauts. I think that they had wisdom and knowledge imparted upon them that there is absolutely no way that they could have known. And I think that this calendar system that they come up with with these eras, I think that they were actually able to somehow figure out how to foresee the future based upon their interactions with these ancient astronauts. Now, I'm not saying they time traveled, but I'm saying that they figured out some sort of maybe some sort of weird mathematical system that was able that enabled them to um, foretell the future. I I don't know, um, but. A lot of what they they predicted um, wasn't. It's it, it's not hard to fathom it coming true, and, and a lot of it did. Just, it, but they didn't predict like, oh, there's going to be a earthquake in San Francisco, or they, you know, they didn't do the Nostradamus thing. But they're more global minded when they when it comes to their their predictions and a lot of it rings true. So I'm hoping that we're still going to be able to see this global change take place, continue to take place. And I'm hoping that it's going to spill over into our individual attitudes in the way that we see each other in the way that we interact with each other. Uh, That's my wish anyway take another drink and no I'm not drinking alcohol I'm not an alcohol drinker I mean every once in a while I may have a little bit of something but I am not an alcohol drinker and you'll never catch me drinking alcohol on the show I'm a tea totaler baby and that is why I'm drinking out of the official Parareality Radio mug that has the Parareality Radio ghost logo on the mug by the way, you can find this mug in the Parareality Radio store. If you'll just go to my website, commercial time, www.parareality.com, and go to the click on the extras tab, 
And when you click on the extras tab, you'll find um, some pictures of some awards that I've won in the past. Um, you'll find links to the Periouts Radio Forum and the store, and there'll be some videos on there that are related to the show. Uh, so if you want to see what the official Periouts Radio mug looks like, just go to periouts.com. Click on the Extras tab and then follow the link to the Periality Radio store. You can get hats, t-shirts, mugs, pajamas, panties, calendars, messenger bags, and I can't even remember what else. I got a ton of stuff there for you to look at and purchase. And uh, so the, the official Periality Radio mug comes with the official Periality Radio ghost and microphone logo. So, uh, great for holding your favorite beverage of choice, whether it's tea, milk, alcohol, water, or what have you. Yes. Wow. It's only been an hour and six minutes since I started my ramblings. Can you believe that? seems like it's been much longer. And if you're actually listening to all this still, (laughs) good on you, man. (laughs) You know, when I was putting this show together, um, I I was actually supposed to have a completely different topic to talk about. I was going to have a guest on the show, and uh, dude got sick and dropped off the face of the planet for a while, and I couldn't get in contact with him. And uh, so it was coming down, you know, crunch time for the show, and I... I didn't have anything, and I'm like, holy shit, what am I going to do? So uh, I just had to kind of try to pull this together almost last minute. And it's really hard when you're when you're going to do a two-hour-long show, because I'd said, you know, in December, hey, first show, you know, we're going to start our two hours. It's going to be expanded. And when you're trying to put a two-hour-long show together about what's been going on since, you know, December 21st, 2012, it's like, ugh, I can get an hour out of that easy. And then you start stretching for the next hour. And you're like, what am I going to do next, you know? <laughs> so you kind of stretch it out. But anyway, I'm not going to tell you who my guest was because uh, I don't want to give this guy a bad name, a bad rep for not coming on the show. I mean, he, he got sick. He dropped off the face of the planet for a little while because he was sick. And hopefully before the end of the year, I can get him back on or I can get him rescheduled, should I say, and we can actually do an interview. Uh, I, it was going to be great. I mean, real personable guy had a great story to tell. And for you guys who are, are new to Periality Radio, or maybe haven't even been listening all that long, you know that I specialize in interviewing ordinary, everyday, average people who just had something strange or unexplained or unusual happen to them, and they want to tell their story. Most of the time, these people aren't selling books, they're not promoting a website, or a magazine, or a movie, or a documentary, or anything of that nature. Sometimes they are, but not always. Most of the time, it's just your average, everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill person just like me who had something unusual happen to them that they cannot explain, and they just so happen to have a story 
that they want to tell. So I'm going to get off topic here and I'm going to, I'm going to say this. If you are listening to this radio broadcast and you have had some, something that you can't explain happen to you, whether it's, you think you saw a ghost, a UFO, an alien, some sort of cryptozoological creature, Bigfoot, Dover demon, whatever, what have you. If you've had something unusual happen to you and you'd like to be a guest on the show so you can talk about it, all you got to do is get in touch with me. I've been telling you over and over again how to get in touch with me, so I'll do it one more time. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. You can also reach out to me on Facebook. I think 99% of the world has a Facebook account these days. And you can get me on Facebook at sandman.parareality. That's sandman.parareality on Facebook. So call the show, 615-692-1170. Leave me a message. But if you know someone who's had an experience that they want to talk about, or if you yourself have had some sort of an experience that you would like to talk about, all you got to do is get in touch with me in one of those three different ways, and I will be more than happy to talk to you about being a guest on the show. Hell, even if you have a book, DVD, website, magazine, what have you that you would like to promote, I still would like to have you on the show. I don't discriminate when it comes to stuff like that, but I do specialize in interviewing average, ordinary, everyday, run-of-the-mill people who've had something unusual happen to them. I know I've had something unusual happen to me. That's kind of how I got involved in all this. And uh, there's more of us out there who have a story to tell. And I think that part of my purpose in doing this show is to get as many people as I can to tell their story. Sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes people just need to tell it to somebody. And I think I can be that person. And uh, I do have a rather loyal following. So if you want to be a guest on the show, please get in touch with me, Sandman at parareality.com. Need that a little bit more. Man, one of the things that I've been fighting, I've I've been sick, man, myself. And, of course, it's wintertime, but... I got the sniffles and snotty nose and sneezing and I actually had the nausea, vomiting and diarrhea too. And not that you care to know about all that. That's that's too too much TMI, too much information for you. Okay, so let's get back and, and finish up this segment here. This has turned out to be a long-winded segment. So talking about a global change since December the first, December the 21st, 2012, has there really been one? And I've been rambling on about it for a little over an hour now. And I want to start winding things down with this segment by saying, yes, I do think that there has been a change. Um, It's been more a change on how we see the planet and how we treat the planet as a whole versus how we treat each other. However, I'm hoping 
that the Maya prediction will continue to come true and that we will see a change in the way that we treat each other individualistically. And I would urge all of you who are listening to this radio broadcast right now, I would urge all of you to really start to think about how you interact with others and how you treat other people because we really need to start paying attention to that. Our world is always going to be an ever-evolving, constantly changing one. And in order for us to all survive on this planet, we've all got to learn to get along better. Now, with that being said, I am not stupid enough to think that everybody is going to get along with each other all the time or at any point in time, especially if there are still Muslims in the world. They don't like anyone except other Muslims, it seems like. And I'm just going to go there and say that. Not all Muslims are like that, but you know the militant Muslims give all Muslims a bad name. And it's making it look like that if, you know, Muslims don't like anybody but other Muslims. But it seems like that, you know, they are just out to kill everybody except Muslims. Well, they're even out to kill Muslims because, hell, they kill themselves. They blow themselves up and shit. But anyway, I'm not stupid enough to think that we're all going to get along. But globally, do we need to do that? Yes. Individualistically, do we need to do it? More so than globally, yes, because I think as our individual attitudes toward each other change, I think that that will create a big global change in attitude. And that's one of the things that the Maya were predicting was that, you know, we're going to enter this new era of peace and enlightenment. And we're still being enlightened. I see that all the time. It seems like there's some sort of you know, new technology being discovered or invented almost on a daily basis now. But I'm not seeing a whole lot of the peace thing. And that's what's really disturbing me. But however, as I keep saying over and over and over again, you're not going to see something like that on an overnight basis. That's something that's going to take a gradual effort. Whoa, I can't speak anymore. Excuse me. Let me get some more beverage. Sorry about that. That's going to for for us to to treat each other better as individuals. It's going to be a slowly changing thing. And as we begin to treat each other individualistically better, I think that we'll see a global change in attitude and how we treat each other globally better. And I'm really hoping that this new era of peace that the Maya predicted, I hope that it will come to fruition and I hope that I'm alive to see it. Um, I don't have any children, so I'm not worried about what's going to happen to my children you know, as they grow up and mature, I'm not worried about that because I don't have any, but I'm not the only person in the whole entire world. I, I realize that, and there are a lot of people who do have children, 
my best friend in the whole world has three, and I know he is very concerned about what's going to happen to them in this shitstorm of a world that we're in, that we're leaving to these kids and our next generations and our generations to come. So if you're listening to this show, please, please make a conscious effort to just start treating other people just a little bit better. It's an old adage, treat others as you want to be treated. And everybody wants to be treated well. So if you wish to be treated well, you should treat other people well. And it just goes hand in hand. I think that that is a no-brainer when it comes to something like that. So help me facilitate the fruition of this prophecy of a global change in attitude and bringing peace. You know, I'm I'm trying to do my part by trying to treat other people well. And maybe you should start doing it too and encourage other people to do it. Not everyone listens to this show. I realize that. This is not the number one show radio broadcast in the whole entire universe. I I, I get it, you know. But for those of you who are listening and who enjoy listening to me ramble and talk, Help me out here. Spread the word. Let's see if we can get some sort of global consciousness to start get it kick started. And let's let's see if people can start treating each other a little bit better and help that Maya prophecy come true and create a change in the way that individuals treat each other, which hopefully will make a global change in the way that that we treat each other globally. And what I mean by globally is of course, you know, let's we don't need wars all the time. This as long as there's man on the face of the planet there's gonna be a war. But it seems like there's too much of it. We don't need that anymore to live. You know, um I'm not gonna get a whole on a whole big tyrant uh, tirade about wars and stuff like that. I'm not gonna, not gonna. I'm not anti-war either. Um, however, I, I just want to say I, I think that if a small group of us can begin to treat each each other nicer, can start treating individuals nicer, I think that we can help facilitate the the Mayan prediction that we're going to have a, a better overall attitude. So let's see what we can do. About that, what do you think? No, it's it's best not to think about any of the current or future predictions about the apocalypse arriving, where the main arguments supporting the predictions is: uh, how do you know the world will not end on insert random date here? Humanity could be wiped out at any time thanks to large asteroids. Uh, natural disasters, stuff like that, but it's extremely unlikely that anyone alive today will live to see the end of civilization. We shouldn't be so worried about the end of the world as we are about the deaths of ourselves because as individuals, we can die at any time. 
In this universe, nothing is certain, not even the theory of gravity. It's good not to live your life in fear and instead live for today. But it's also good to not trash yourself today and instead plan for tomorrow. There's a balance that you must find in your life on your own. You can't let someone else talk you into fearing the world around you or make you ruin yourself today. It's your decision about what to do with your life, and nobody else can do that for you. And those are my final thoughts on what life has been like since December the 21st, 2012. So if you got a comment about all of my ramblings, I promise you that not every show is going to be just me rambling, rambling, rambling like this. Uh, but if you have any comments, you want to share something, if you think I'm a complete idiot or an asshole, or maybe you like what I had to say or you think I'm onto something or whatever, send me an email, prradio. No, that's the old email address. Send me an email address. I'm sorry. Sandman at parareality.com. What kind of idiot doesn't even know his own email address? Me, apparently. So if you think I'm on to something, or like I said, if you think I'm an idiot, if you think I'm an asshole, whatever, send me an email. Let me know. Sandman at parareality.com. You can also look me up on Facebook. That's sandman.parareality on Facebook as well. And you can call the show 692-1170 with a 615 area code. So that number you would dial would be 615-692-1170. Oh, and I mentioned that I'm also on Skype. Look me up on Skype, PR Radio on Skype, if you've got Skype. Also, if you have Yahoo Messenger, I'm also on Yahoo Messenger, that's Gray Dragon 98 on Yahoo Messenger. So I got all these different ways that you can get in touch with me. All kind of different ways. So if you if you like what I had to say about the show or, or about this topic, if you like what I had to say on this topic on this episode of Periality Radio, or if you got something that you you know you want to weigh in, uh maybe um maybe I brought something up that you never thought of before, maybe you liked what I had to say or Maybe I didn't touch on something that you think that I should have. Maybe you just don't like it. I don't, email me. Just be aware that if you do email me, that I may, most likely I will, read your email on the air. Same as if you call, if you call the studio line, I will probably play your message back on the air when I do the show. So, uh... Just be prepared for that should you call and or email. Instant messages are a little bit harder, uh, but I can still read your instant message back. All i got to do is write it down or print it off or something like that, right? All right, well, I have rambled on and on and on enough. I am going to take about a five-minute or so break and let you listen to a little bit of music. I'll come back and I'll introduce the new segment for the show, The Paranormal Report. I'll be back in just a little bit, everybody.
This is Parareality Radio, your information source for all things paranormal. Join me, Sandman, and my roster of special guests, experts, and paranormal experiencers as we explore the realms of the known and the unknown. New shows broadcast the first Monday of every month at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Listen online at parareality.com. Turn on, tune in, and find out. That was Sammy Hagar off his new CD called Sammy Hagar and Friends with Not Going Down. That's the second cut off of that track, or the second track off of that CD. Man, that's a kick-ass song. I really like it. If you like some good music, you need to pick up some Sammy Hagar stuff. Anyway, so going to debut the new segment on Periality Radio that I like to call the Paranormal Review. Need to get some sort of uh, intro to it, some some dramatic something that I can do with some music or something for the paranormal review. Hmm. I'd be thinking about that. See what I can do. Maybe next month when I do next February show, I'll have something uh, something up there for you. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, so going to introduce a new segment that I'm going to be ending the shows with, that I'm going to do every episode called. The Paranormal Review, where I will take a paranormal-themed reality TV-type show, and I will break it down, so to speak. I'll uh, kind of dissect it, review it, give you what I think about it, rate it from 0 to 5, with, of course, 0 being the worst and 5 being the best. And honest, I don't do a 1 to 5, I do a 0 to 5. So the higher the number, the better the score, obviously, and the more worth watching it would be. So the very first show that I'm going to review for the Paranormal Review is Killer Contact. Now, this was done on, um, this was a six-run, a, lim- a very limited series, six runs, six episodes on uh, the Sci-Fi Channel that uh, debuted in, I think, the the First of December, the end of November-ish, something something like that. Anyway, it's called Killer Contact. Now, here's the plot for this show. A paranormal team travels to the world's most haunted locations where infamous crimes were committed. They try to solve these cold cases by the only method they know, which is gathering evidence with the help of the supernatural, using their technical ghost hunting equipment and role-playing scenarios to communicate with them. Now, the show's stars are mostly unknown with the exception of one guy, and he's not very widely known. Uh, It stars Austin Cook, a.k.a. The Point Man. Also has Greg Nisiestro, who is the antagonizer. Hector Berrigan, also known as the Tech Guru, Adam Ladenfrost, who goes by the nickname The Brain, and it's rounded up with Molly O'Connolly, also known as The Role Player. Everybody's got to have some stupid nickname, right? So here's my review of Killer Contact. 
being an enthusiast for good paranormal shows such as Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters, I kind of dove right in for this one expecting to see a new show that had the merit to go a long way. However, um, I couldn't have been more wrong with this one, man. The aforementioned Greg Nasiestro is probably the most well-known of these guys. Greg Nasiestro and his team of ghost hunters, they're going around traveling the world to solve some of the coolest and oldest mysteries in history. Or at least that's what sci-fi wants us to think about their new show. While I watched this series... I couldn't help but notice the astonishing amount of borrowing that Killer Contact seemed to have done from a string of pre-existing paranormal television shows. Some of them much less successful than others, I must say. So, what is what is this series about? Well, this series revolves around Greg Nisiestro who is an ex-paranormal challenge contestant turned Zach Beggins wannabe, whose new life mission is to capture evidence of the unknown. Now, he's not billed as the team leader. That's um, the point man's job. That's the team leader, Austin Cook. I don't know any of these people to start off with. Let me let me point that. I don't even remember Greg Nisiestro from Paranormal Challenge, and I watched that show. I actually liked Paranormal Challenge. I thought it was, I thought the the concept was pretty cool. It had some dumbasses on there, uh, obviously, as, as you're you're going to have with with a show of that nature. But I don't remember this guy. I'm going to have to go back and look through Paranormal Challenge and see if I can find this guy on there uh anyway i'm i'm quite sure that he had something to do with the development of this show so anyways i was saying the series revolves around greg nisiestro uh and his team tracking down unsolvable mysteries you know capturing evidence of the unknown but Lest you think that Greg is going to be tracking down the harmless ghost of your grandparents, Sci-Fi wants you to know that Nisiestro is way more badass than that. He's out to track down the ghost of murderers so he can yell at them on national television. He's known as the antagonizer. That's what he does. He yells at ghosts. You know, here's the problem I have with, with people who use the antagonizing thing you know what it takes no balls whatsoever to yell at someone or something that's not even there now you're saying oh my god you're a paranormal enthusiast you're a paranormal investigator don't you don't you uh how can you say that well look spirits are of the afterlife they're of a they're on a different plane of existence from us we can't hurt them. They can't hurt us. So it's real easy to yell at someone or something that can't do anything back to you. It's real easy. It takes no effing balls whatsoever. So all of this trying to be badass and yelling at ghosts and spirits and all that other sorts of stuff never has and never will impress me. 
It's not a good way to investigate, and it doesn't prove anything other than you're probably an idiot. So this show looks like the much reviled extreme paranormal as filtered through Ghost Adventures and Paranormal Challenge with just a little dash of paranormal state thrown in for good measure. Uh, I never got I never got into extreme paranormal. I don't even think I watched but maybe one episode, maybe half an episode of that. But it's basically just like I was saying, a bunch of guys uh, yelling at shit that's not there, and it's kind of stupid. So the only new angle that uh, this series killer contact seems to be contributing to the genre is the exploitation of their only female member who dresses like a literal prostitute to entice a murderous ghost out of hiding. Thankfully, we're only subjected to six episodes of this shit, and one can only hope that there will not be a season two. In the season premiere, the quote-unquote team... Head off to jolly old London to solve the mystery of who in the hell was Jack the Ripper. A riddle that's eluded investigators and Scotland Yard for a good 125 years. But lo and behold, these eager young ghost hunting cadets managed to solve this age-old mystery in the span of two days. Yeah, right. Whatever, right? But, hold on, there's more. We were briefly treated to see Molly trying to seduce Jack, which was was kind of laughable and uh, silly and stupid all rolled into one. I mean, seriously, girl, if you want to seduce Jack the Ripper, wouldn't it make sense to be dressed in Victorian-era clothing and not in one of your skirts that you obviously hit the club scene with every weekend? You know, I mean, she was dressed in some tight-fitting skin, tight above-the-knee skirt with some skanky hoe makeup and stuff on. I mean, we're talking about murders that took place in the 1800s, 1888 to be exact. And she was dressing in something that you would go out clubbing in in 2013. Doesn't make any sense. I understand she wanted to dress like a skanky hoe. Okay, I get it. Mission accomplished. She succeeded in that. Um, and that was really all. <laughs> uh, I don't think anything that she did was actually helpful, in my opinion. And the second episode of, of this shit saw the team head off to Transylvania to investigate the legend of Vlad the Third Dracula. Now, I'll admit that I lost all interest in this entire series at the 30-minute mark of this particular episode here. But it did keep my interest long enough for me to see uh, Greg Nasiestro yell and scream like an idiot and try to lure Vlad out of hiding. Once again, seriously? Okay, if Vlad is still haunting the castle, I really doubt that he would understand a word of English unless he's been attending English classes in the afterlife. 
You know, not to mention that they got some of their uh, history wrong. Um, so they were able to tell a couple of tidbits of information that uh, I didn't know about about Vlad Dracula, and I'm I'm pretty much I'm not going to say an authority, but I've done a lot of research on Vlad Dracula, and I know a lot about the man, and um, I really. Uh, was surprised to find out that they um, not only got some of their history wrong, but they they were also able to come up with a couple of bits, tidbits of information that I that I didn't know. Um, one of the things that really I thought was was fake about the show and I'm just going to throw that out there was the EVPs that they got especially on the first uh, and second episodes really um, they got these great class A EVPs that sounded so crisp and clear that it was really hard to believe astonishing and you know in two days they managed to solve the Jack the Ripper murder because of an EVP one of these really, really clear EVPs that they got, which just so happened to have been the only clear EVP they got through the whole invest two-day investigation. That's kind of fishy, isn't it? Now, there are some really good Class A EVPs out there, but they just, to me, a Class A EVP doesn't sound like me talking into the microphone like this. That's what their EVP sounded like. And I can't believe that they actually aired that shit, that they thought that that was going to be believable because it just wasn't. Um, most of their EVPs that they got just so happened to be, you know, the final piece of the evidence that they needed to put this together and the, solve the mystery a la Scooby-Doo and, and Mystery Incorporated. So I, for one, wasn't all that impressed with it. Now, I doubt, I highly doubt, if I will even watch a second season if it comes down to that, if they even do one, just based on what I saw. I, and I did watch all six episodes because I thought, you know what, I said I was going to watch the show and I said that I was going to this was really this uh, this this show right here was what made me decide I wanted to add the paranormal report to Parareality Radio because it was so horrible. I thought, you know what, there there needs to be someone out there who can tell the people what shows are good and what shows are bad, and I, I've taken that upon myself, right? So if there is a second season, which I highly doubt there's going to be, but if there is, I for one won't be watching it. Now, I've seen some good paranormal shows, don't get me wrong. And I've also seen some bad ones. But this one really takes the cake. I mean, you give it you don't even give it an F, you give it an L for lame. It sucks. It's so horrible. The fact that this even made it to be a series is astonishing in itself. Just judging by the response that Killer Contact has been receiving on the internet, I know I'm not alone in thinking it's going to anger a majority of the paranormal community while boring the other half. And I'm in the latter half. I was absolutely bored to death and just 
couldn't believe that, uh, you know, sci-fi is notorious for putting out some horrible shit, but it's mostly in the original movie genre. Uh, most of their original programming is actually pretty damn good when it comes to television shows. And that's why I really was interested in seeing or, or in watching Killer Contact because most of their television shows just are even they might be short lived shows, but they're usually really good, high quality stuff. Even their, you know, non scripted, quote unquote non scripted reality shows. But this was a real stinker, man. Like I said, the, the fact that this even made it to become a series is really astonishing. The, the only reason that I can think that they put it to a series is because they had invested some money in it and they wanted to at least try to get their money's worth out of it. That's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, the the, the final two episodes, they didn't even um, – it wasn't like, you know, okay – I think it came on on a Wednesday night or something. It wasn't like this Wednesday's the next to the last episode and next Wednesday's the last episode. Nope, they aired the the final two episodes back to back on the same night. I guess they even knew it was shit and wanted to get rid of it as quickly as they possibly could. So that kind of goes to to tell you, you know, I uh, don't don't know about that. Or maybe it was they aired it. I can't. Maybe it was they aired the next to last show on a Tuesday and the last show on a Wednesday, you know, the next day, something like that. I can't remember. But it was some something weird like that. And they also did the same thing with Haunted Highway, which I really like, and I think it's a really well-done show. Um, but it's, it's, once again, a limited-run sh- series. I think it was only six shows or some, or eight shows, something like that. But anyway, um, whatever, right, you know. Um, and, and, and an interesting note here, this series is being produced by Pilgrim Films, who are responsible for creating sci-fi's flagship show Ghost Hunters. The that's the long running series featuring featuring investigators who have previously come out against the very kinds of quote unquote techniques that are featured in Killer Contact. So is this a sign of things to come? Is this how most paranormal programs are going to be now to try to make something different. Cause let's face it, ghost hunters set the standard and just about every show that has come on since then follows that model. And it's really, there's not a lot new out there as far as show content and how they do things. So maybe this is a sign that, that uh, they're trying to uh, change that and try try something new. I don't know. Uh, my advice, though, is just switch over to uh, Ghost Adventures crew instead. It's a hell of a lot more entertaining, and uh, you'll get a lot more out of it. So what do I give a rating for Killer Contact? My very first rating from 0 to 5. I'm going to have to come up with, like, Something real cool, like you know, I give it a you know three ghost rating or a three boo or three fingers or something like that. I don't know. I'm going to come up with something instead of just you know, zero to five numbers. Anyway, what do I give the rating for Killer Contact? I give it a big fat zero. This is a stinker. You should avoid it at all costs. And if you're like me and you actually watched the whole thing, 
that's, oh my God, six hours total of your life that you'll never get back. And I'm so sorry that you had to endure that shit. So if you haven't watched it, don't. If you're in the middle of watching it, quit. If you've already watched the whole entire thing, do me a favor, send Sci-Fi an email, tell them don't put any more shit like that on the air. And that does it, ladies and gentlemen, for the Paranormal Report, my very first Paranormal Report for the new format of the show, the two-hour expanded edition of Parareality Radio. I hope... I certainly hope that you enjoyed tonight's show, listening to me ramble on for over an hour about what has happened since December the 21st, 2012. As I said earlier, let me know what you thought about it by dropping me an email. That's sandman at parareality.com. Also, please remember to visit my website, which is www.parareality.com. You can find out all kinds of information about the show there on the website. You can listen to the current and past episodes there as well. And if you click on the Extras tab, you can join the official Parareality Radio Forum. It is free to join. You can shop in the Parareality Radio store as well. And you can even watch some show videos and some other cool stuff. Also, don't forget to look me up on Facebook. That's Sandman.Parareality on Facebook. You can hear the show there as well, and you can also find out a little bit more about what's going on in the world of parareality. Now, I really want to start promoting my forum and my web store, so please, if you would like to support Parareality Radio and help keep it on the air, please visit parareality.com, click on the Extras tab, and shop around in the Parareality Radio store. I want to make it perfectly clear that I do not, and I repeat, do not make any money from the sale of items in the Parareality Radio store. All proceeds go directly into keeping Parareality Radio on the air, and I do not profit from anything out of the Parareality Radio store. So please, please, please go to pararealityradio.com and shop in the Parareality Radio store. To help keep Parareality Radio on the air, as if I didn't say Parareality Radio enough. And I'm also trying to kickstart my po- my forum. My forum was a big part of the old show, and it really hasn't gotten kickstarted back again since I've been here on Spreaker. So I really would like for you guys to start posting some stuff in the forum. It's free to join. You can create an account, and I don't spam mail you or anything like that. You'll never get emails from me or from the website. Uh, just please check out the Parareality Radio Forum and join there and let's get that thing kicked back up off of the ground and get it running again, everybody. Okay, I would really appreciate that. All right, that about does it for tonight's show. My next show, the next episode of Parareality Radio is going to be available on Monday, February the 3rd, 2014. I'm working on a really super cool guest and I hope this one won't flake out on me, forcing me to, at the last minute, come up with something where I ramble for two hours again. So don't forget to turn on, tune in, and find out who my guest is going to be on Monday, February 3rd, 2014, at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Everyone, I hope that this radio program opens your minds up to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way that you see the world. 
If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that you have a wonderful evening, and I will see you again next month for another episode, another two-hour episode of Parareality Radio. going to leave you with a little bit of Avenged Sevenfold. This is Shepherd of Fire. I'm not a real big Avenged Sevenfold fan. However, the last couple of releases that they've had off of their new album, I, I really have dug it. And uh, this is one of them, Shepherd of Fire, off the new Avenged Sevenfold album. I don't even know what the hell the name of the album is. All I know is that this cut is called Shepherds of Fire. So everybody, I'm going to quit rambling. I will see you again next month, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, for another two-hour expanded edition of Parareality Radio.